Tapes. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hi, this is Jeremy from Buckeye Coasters, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, this is Bernie. And D. From Kidult TV. And you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. I accept the Coaster Challenge. 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 Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? What is the Coaster Challenge? A group of regular people that went from fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses. It's time to take the Coaster Challenge with your hosts, David Cantu and J.D. Prescott. Hey, how's it going, J.D.? It's going great, David. How are you? Doing very good. Doing very good. Happy June 11th. Oh, yes. June 11th. Summertime. It's warm. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I've been, my time of the season. <laughs> Our favorite time of the season, no cold. Uh, yeah, I, months and months of cold weather. I really look forward to the warm weather because this is where the coaster season really takes off for the for the rest of, for the year. And, uh, you know, it's uh, really amazing that uh, it's really good to see people getting out and uh, getting back to the parks and just being able to do the things that we didn't get to do last year. Yeah, actually go to a theme park. Yeah. Go to the movies? Yeah, and actually uh, doing some traveling as well. Uh, just, you know, got back last week from uh, Holiday World for Hollywood Hollywood Nights. And uh, I will tell you, it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever, ever experienced in all the travels I've done over the past five years. So that was a fun event. Oh, yeah. But we've got a very special event. Uh, we've a special episode today because we have a guest who loves to travel. Him and his son, they travel all over the world, and they ride roller coasters almost in almost every continent in the world. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Chuck Cole. He's on the podcast today with Andrew. And uh, for those that uh, uh, don't know Chuck Cole, he's got a son named Chase. And uh, Chase has got an Instagram handle called Chasing Coasters. Chase and Chuck, they go everywhere. And they're, they've got such a high coaster count. But he has so much knowledge on almost every roller coaster out there. Man, that's, that's just amazing. Yeah. And Chuck has definitely got a really good conversation when it comes to fear and how you face it. And uh, so we're really glad glad uh, to have him on today but first let's do our wonderful segment called the youtube highlight clip, clip of, of the, the week. week youtube clip of the week all right so jd shared a really wonderful video with me and it's one of his favorite youtube channels and yes, uh, why is. don't you tell us a little more about it jd so i'm, I'm subscribed to this uh this this youtuber his name is mr beast and he he had a contest between two teams, team white team versus blue team, and who could sit on the roller coaster the longest. The winner got twenty thousand dollars. I don't know about you, JD, but I could really go for twenty thousand dollars right now. I think <laughs> so we all can, I. right? So, but yeah, this was a. I didn't even know um, uh, Mr. Beast did this. Uh, I didn't know there was a. It was called the twenty thousand dollar challenge, and uh, the coaster that he picked happened to be over at Six Flags Over Texas, and it was called the Mini Mine Train. Yes, uh, actually, Mr. Beast he 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 gives away a lot of stuff. Or he'll 
he has like some stuff where he'll go to like stores, like, random stores, and he'll go to like Best Buy, and then whatever you can carry, he'll pay for. It's amazing. Well, he's he's such a great YouTuber. He's he's fun to watch. Well, this video was actually kind of fun because, like you said, there were two teams. Each team had four guys. Yes. And it was blue team versus white team, and they were spaced out on the front train. It was the white team, and the back back of the train was the blue team. And it's a mini mine train, so I'm pretty sure a lot of coaster enthusiasts out there know about the mine trains. Uh, they go about maybe 25 to 35 miles an hour. It's not really an intense coaster, but I guess the challenge is, is how many times can you ride this coaster before you have to get off? Before you, you decide, okay, I've had enough. Yeah, so... I will say they these guys were on that coaster all day long all day long at the Oh yeah, they 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 marathon that thing. And it was so uh it was so long that because really none of the guys got off the train. So the park was an hour away from closing, so they decided to settle this with a rock paper scissors competition, which the white team won. Yeah. So I would say that I like this idea of a contest. I would love to take part of a contest like this. Uh, but I, I think if, if you're going to do a contest like this, J.D., you got to be on a coaster that's really going to make people want to get off the train. I mean, if, if, if you're going to do a coaster over at Six Flags Over Texas. Now, I have never been to Six Flags Over Texas. I actually will be going this October when I return from Florida. Oh, nice. But the one coaster that Six Flags Over Texas has that I really want to experience is Mr. Freeze because it is a launch coaster, and it's got hmm. quite a few inversions on it. And I think that would have been the most ideal coaster for them to host this contest because the force that's on there uh there's only so much the human body can take with a g-force oh yeah especially before your your lunch decides it wants to come back up yeah so i i'm really curious if if mr beast is listening to this episode i think the best advice is from a coaster enthusiast you've got to pick a more more intense coaster that will really get people to want to get off it quickly because i've i've marathon many coasters around the country uh i've i've marathon fury 325 over at carowinds um my record on that was 35 times in a nice. row i've marathoned the joker over at six flags discovery kingdom i had the my buddy and i had the train all to ourselves for a private event and we marathoned that 22 times uh twisted colossus over at six flags magic mountain i got to marathon that about 10 times in a row but i would say or here's an even here's an even uh, greater one uh crazanity over at magic mountain it's that disc flat oh, ride that yeah that swings back and forth swingy thing yeah because uh, i took part of that of its media day opening and a lot of us ace members we got to be part of the uh media day for that where we had to be fill-ins for the seats when they would do the news recordings and all that stuff and i will tell you guys i was on that six times in a row and let me tell you <laughs> along with me and several other coaster enthusiasts from ace a lot of us had to get off because you, there's only so much you can ride crazanity on and uh uh, I was starting to get a little motion sickness from it. So how were your legs when you got off? Jello. <laughs> <laughs> so you had no feeling. Yeah. They were numb. Oh, yeah. They were just numb on that. But, yeah, I would like uh, – this was a great contest. And, and if I would have known that he was hosting a contest like this, I would love to take part of that because on a mine train, I could probably sit on that all day long. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I would love, if he's listening, if you do another – $20,000 challenge like that, I would say do it on a more intense coaster. Mr. Beast, if you're listening, come to LA. Yeah, 
I mean, we've got quite a few coasters here in California that you could really host that contest on. So, But it was really fun, and I actually hope that he continues to do fun stuff like this at the theme parks. And uh, if you guys want to check it out, just make sure to type in the $20,000 challenge. Uh, the, the blue team and white team, they did about 40 laps. Oh, yeah on that on that coaster so it's a really fun one and i highly recommend you guys check it out but until then this is the youtube highlight clip of the the week week. youtube clip of the week all right so andrew is standing by he's got a very special guest with us and we've got a coaster enthusiast who has him and his son travel all over the world, and uh, this is going to be a really exciting episode. I highly recommend you guys take the time to really listen to this one because there's a lot of good knowledge that our guest has on today. And um, Andrew is standing by, so take it away, Andrew. Thank you, David and JD. Hey, everyone. This is Andrew, your East Coast correspondent from Coaster Challenge here, and I'm interviewing another coaster enthusiast today. I'd like to welcome to the Coaster Challenge podcast. Chuck, welcome, Chuck. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Awesome, awesome. Do you want to tell everyone just a little bit about yourself before we start? I'm here because uh, I guess I'm uh, considered a coaster enthusiast. Uh, you know, that's a funny term, just generally speaking, because, you know, everyone has a little bit t- different take on what that means. I love coasters. It's kind of become part of our our routine, my family's routine a little bit. And uh, we, we love going around and traveling and, and riding coasters and seeing culture and all these different places that we go. Uh, my, my son, who's 15, he's been totally into coasters, you know, at like a high hardcore enthusiast level, probably now for about four to five years. Uh, he He's around 420 something coasters. I don't really keep track, you know, because I really love uh, the best coasters and I really can't get into some of the kind of kinder family coasters. If it's unique, great. If it's not, that's fine too. Uh, and, and another reason why I think I'm here is because maybe my take on how to overcome fears, because I know that's a big thing and how that can impact your life um you know and so i think those are the two kind of big spots but i have been all over the world so we've ridden coasters in four continents so that's kind of interesting and uh and i i love dave's mission with coaster challenge and and uh that's that's uh, pretty much it. Thank you, Chuck. Yeah. And uh, to your point about not being necessarily sure if you're a coaster enthusiast or not, quick uh, little uh, uh, disclosure for everyone on the podcast. Chuck and I have actually met in person, as has David and Chuck, and they've been at parks and we've all had you know discussions offline, just meeting Chuck in person. And I can definitely tell you from my personal experience, meeting you and your son, Chase, that you're definitely an enthusiast. And in fact, later on in the interview, I'm, I'm sure we're going to be talking about how you and I met and perhaps uh, David, who's here with us as well, perhaps he'll uh, be talking about how the two of you met as well. We'll have some fun talking about that. But first things first, let's go ahead and dive into the interview. And as everyone who's listening to the podcast knows, we kind of have some typical questions we like to ask of our guests. And again, given our mission of you know helping to people to face their fears and better their lives by riding coasters, there's a set of questions we like to ask. You know, as time goes by with different uh, VIPs, and Chuck, I definitely consider to be a VIP. Um, we ask certain questions as well, generally later on in the interview that are specific to the person we're talking to. And definitely we're going to get into some, well, Chuck specific questions later on, but let's start off kind of the easy, basic question. So um, here you go, Chuck. So the first question I have for you is what was your first coaster you ever rode in your life? Uh, Space Mountain at Magic Kingdom at Disney World. The first year it was 
open. That should tell you how old I am. <laughs> so. That's yeah. And you know, Chuck, you and I are not far off in age. I think you're, you're basically like five years older than me. And like you, my first coaster also was Space Fountain uh, and, and Magic Kingdom, as I've mentioned previously on the podcast here. And I was four years old, which uh, this would have been in 1977. So just a couple years after it opened. So you were, you know, maybe a little bit older than me when you wrote it a couple of years before that. But yeah. again, very young, right? Exactly. Um, we lived in Fort Walton Beach, you know, right there on the coast near Eglin, you know, right there. And uh, we had been to Disney World before. And, our, and I remember my dad, you know, showing me the construction saying, this is going to be the most amazing thing in the world. I had no idea, no context because I was still young. You know, I was, I think at that time I was like five. And, and then he said, we're coming back. Because we're going to ride this thing. I had, again, no context. <laughs> and and so we came we came uh, back, uh, you know, I think they had a soft opening at one point. But then we came back and, and uh, you know, stayed at the Contemporary. Again, this is all futuristic for some young kid. <laughs> and, and going into Tomorrowland. And I really don't even really remember waiting in line. I just, I think being odd about that structure, because that structure still is amazing and iconic. Yep. You know, yep. I've, I've traveled the world. And again, I think it's one of the more recognizable, like landmarks, whether you, you've seen it in, in California or Florida. I agree. I agree. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned about the contemporaries. One of my earliest memories as a kid again, right around this age was when I was four going to Disney World for the first time in my life for sort of many, many times in my life. I have these, you know, you know, your earliest memories, typically they're just like little tidbits. It's not necessarily a continuous event or story. And the tidbits I remember are uh, riding the monorail through the contemporary and seeing a little bit of the contemporary hotel from the inside and the outside. And then another tidbit is getting, I remember getting on Space Mountain, being very scared. Don't remember much about the coaster then. Of course, now I have memories of it riding as an adult, you know, as recently as say a year or so ago. But yeah, so very similar memories for, for you yeah. and I. Um, so yeah and, yeah, and I'll tell you again, I had no context. I had no idea what to expect. And I think what's unique about you know, people that rode Space Mountain as their first coaster is you have no way of being prepared, right? right. Because you can't see the track. You have no clue what you're going to be confronted with. And so I had no clue this could be a Peter Pan ride, but big. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's a really good point. That's you really know what I mean? Point. And so this yeah. is different. Yeah. So I had no built up fear whatsoever because I completely trusted my parents to take into account how old I was and what to expect. And so I remember going through the queue, seeing it and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to be like an astronaut and I'm going to be you know, going through space and this is going to be the coolest thing ever because, you know, even then I was like into science fiction at a young age. And, I, and back then the rockets were a little bit different. I think they've gone through three iterations and I kind of yeah. recall them be even being like a seatbelt and it'd be more bobsled-like, right? The way we were yep. stacked up against each other. And I remember yep. there being with my mom and putting on the seatbelt, thinking nothing at all. And my life changed at the point when my mom said to me, Chucky, because that's what she called me, <laughs> it's okay if you want to scream. And at that point, I'm like, what do you mean? Why would I scream? I've never screamed before on a ride at Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Did you scream? And, huh? Well, Did yeah, that's scream? what I'm getting to. 
is <laughs> then I'm like, I'm going to hold on here. What is going on? And I remember, you know, you got this little part and then you kind of go in that, I guess what they call now the stroke tunnel with all the the strobe yep. lights and everything. I think that's what they call it now. I've heard it from, you know, people. And I'm like, this is really looks pretty cool, but I'm really highly concerned. And then once you get through that and you kind of get to this point where you see all the lights everywhere, these tiny lights in motion and like little lights simulating things going through space, like who knows what, like ships. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this? And then that's when it all happens. Gravity takes over, thus roller coaster. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm shooting around and being a small kid in that kind of bobsled scenario, you're not just kind of nicely going by. And, and I was thrown everywhere. My body was going back and forth, I was screaming. I had no point of like, where is up and down? And, you know, at that age, and I just was kind of thinking in my head, I hope I survived this. I'm guessing my parents want me to live. <laughs> and so nice. I, I, I survived it. You kind of get through the whole thing because it's over pretty quickly. You just kind of hold on. But I don't know how long it took it, you know, in a kid's mind because kids' minds, things last longer. And, right. and then I, I come off that ride. I looked at my parents differently at that point. <laughs> I was, I think tears in my eyes, I was highly, highly, uh, I'm not sure it's all shell-shocked is not appropriate, but definitely nauseous and not knowing what's going on, dizzy and uh, highly traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of uh, being traumatized, so I know you said you really weren't necessarily scared of, the, of this particular coaster before getting on. You didn't really, couldn't really see the track and, and all that. But let's let's talk about coasters that have scared you. And in fact, yeah. whether it be a year later or it could have been 10 years later, you know, who knows what all the different coasters that have been built since Space Mountain in there in the mid 70s and in, in, in Florida. And of course, the compatriot on the West Coast in California, again, both both sets of coasters built by uh, Aerodynamics. Um, like like the Matterhorn, all these early still coasters were done by Arrow. Uh, but in any case, all these coasters that have come since, there's been some crazy ones. Uh, yes. You've written some crazy ones. So yes. tell me about the coaster that scared you the most. Which coaster was that? Well, it is the coaster that scares me the most, scared me the most, and still scares me the most. And amazingly enough, because there is a rhythm about life, same manufacturer, right? You know right. how to go with this. It right. is X2. And <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's not like that was the next coaster I rode. And I kind of reluctantly started riding coasters again, even though I never really loved them. It was more peer pressure than anything because I ended up growing most of my life in, in Denver, Colorado. So it's the Eliches. And there's some coasters there that I was peer pressured to ride into. But I avoided parks, period, because I never wanted to be in a situation where I had to be peer pressured into riding a roller coaster because I always associated roller coasters from that point on as making me sick and dizzy and out of control. And mm -hmm. I wanted to avoid that. And so whenever I even rode coasters from that point on, even, which I've overcome all that by now, but that was the sense that I built in my head. The story that I told myself is that why would I want to do this to myself? Right. And so I'd right. avoid those like the plague. I'd always have an excuse. I'd always want to do something different, something better, supposedly. 
in quotes. But when when my son started getting into coasters in a major way uh, beyond Space Mountain and start really getting involved with coasters um, a lot because of, you know, point of views and coaster kids and the Joyner family. And I was researching a lot of these to get myself psyched up to eventually deal with these as well. I came across X2 because I'm from Southern California. You know, our home parks are Knott's and Disney and Universal and, and Magic Mountain. And I looked at X2 as a really unique animal. That is yep. a unique animal. And there was nothing like it. All the point of views that I saw from all the big parks, like, you know, Cedar Point and the Six Flags. And that thing, you just, especially driving up to that, you see it. You're immediately, anyone afraid of coaster, you start <laughs> getting shivers and you start shaking a little bit. You And you see that right when you drive up, it's just confronting you, you know? Yeah, I'm like, this is it. And yep. and so, and I've ridden other coasters of the Mac Mountain before that, but I was like inside my own head, just dreading the day that Chase was prepared to ride this. And I had to go ride it with him because I'm not, I was, you know, not prepared, was not mentally. Right, right. Well, you know, um, and again, I know David's in the background here, he's muted, but uh, David, take a note. And I mean this actually quite seriously. So um, on this podcast, we've already had a couple of VIPs. We've got some VIPs coming up. Um, and we got some big plans. Uh, we're really, this podcast is really taking off. So we, we're looking to, part of what we're doing is, is looking to get, you know, bigger and bigger guests and get some really good perspectives and so forth. So David, take a note. We got to get Alan Schilke on this podcast, David, because Chuck, what you mentioned about X2, you are not alone. Myself, I talked about it in the, uh, the first episode that I was on, which was the second episode ever of this podcast, where all the correspondents, myself and the others, and Iva and Jenna and so forth were introduced. And one of the things we talked about for each of us, is what coaster has scared us the most. And it was X2. I've ridden all three of the Arrow 40 coasters, but X2 was the first one. I wrote it opening season. I was living about, in San Diego. Yeah, just about, every, just about every guest we have had on yeah. this podcast so far, the three major coasters that everybody, and these are people all over the United States. We have guests that have been from the Midwest, from the East Coast, from the West Coast. They've all said the following coasters that I've heard the most on this podcast so far. X2, Top Thrill Dragster, and Fury 325. Those are like the three coasters yeah. that have been heavily mentioned so far of 16 guests yeah. we've had so far on this podcast, which is really amazing. And everyone's had the same reaction about X2. So I agree with you, Andrew. Well, we need to get Alan We need to get Alan on this well, podcast. Well, and the thing is, Shilky's kind of like the Da Vinci of coasters. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Definitely. You know, he, yeah, look what he's, he's done. Yeah. Or thinking, like when Da Vinci was thinking of the helicopter, who was thinking of the helicopter back, right? right. No one. Right. He couldn't even produce helicopter. And somehow someone let him build this in a weird way this work of art obviously he was able to eventually improve upon it you know but just a little bit yeah you know, the mind's eye you know and his imagination thinking wouldn't it be cool if i could control how this thing inverts how it flips at certain points at certain element and do it in such a mechanical fashion to just you know drive people insane and yep. and um and just going up backwards and then having that false little drop you know all the anticipation and then <laughs> that 
face down, I'm going to kill you, drive you into the ground <laughs> moment, yep. right? And, yep. and then all those other amazing elements that just take you out of any potential comfort zone you've ever, ever had on a coaster. And, uh, and I think a lot of coaster enthusiasts, the ones that have been around the world, I think covet those moments because yes. you, even though you have things like Steel Vengeance, which is just like, let's just take, keep taking these things up a notch. You know, you, you still can't, it's hard to replicate those out of control moments in any other coaster in the U.S. And people that have gotten to ride the other ones that again, where yep. they've taken that up and I, you still can't replicate, I think, what you get there. You know, even though you have things like Time Traveler that kind of gets you a little bit going, I've, I've written that, you know, nothing, nothing compares to X2. And it's like, bravo, bravo. You know, you're you're a, a madman and Da Vinci all at the same time. And thank you very much. I love the guy. He's amazing. I still think it's like, at least at this point, is magnum opus of designs. Yes. Um, can you imagine what he would do if given the right kind of money? If you take that idea and and the idea of the new technology, I'm not sure if you know this, but like the rack and pinion, the spike coasters, where you can actually oh, yeah. control the speed, um, right. regardless, irregardless of gravity. You can use gravity and you can control gravity to increase and decrease speed throughout these elements, not just the perspective. And I can't wait. I would love for him to have a presentation of, let me show you all my crazy ideas. He can't do that because it's like a competitive advantage. Right, right. right. But if you could just like be in his mind and say, okay, what would you do if you had as much money as you wanted? What would you start trying? Like what would be right. your junk works? And I just, right. I want to live long enough and be healthy enough to experience some of that stuff. And I know it's not all about being the the, the speed and the fear and the, that kind of stuff because there's so much more that goes into a great coaster but um you know that one of the things that i i want to make sure i kind of keep intact which i think is an interesting perspective i never want to get used to it right 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 i want to covet that and like you know uh enjoy that that uh thrill where it's still not something that just is routine. And I think a lot of coaster enthusiasts are always kind of searching for that next thing. You know what I mean? Because they yep. kind of got like used to it somehow. It's like, oh, whatever. But, you know, anyway, and where other people, you know, I think a lot of people exaggerate another. It's like, oh, X2 never scared me. Okay, whatever, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I that was my my probably my proudest moment overcoming, you know, that fear in front of my kid, he really didn't get to experience my fear because I'm pretty, I got a pretty good poker face. Before, I want to talk about your fear that you had on this ride, but just one more comment. I just have to mention this given what you said about the spike coaster technology. So as we know, X2 or X really in its first incarnation as Alan designed it originally was, like you said, I agree, his magnum opus and was Arrow's kind of the peak of Arrow of what they came up with. But at the same time, it's also what doomed the company with the issues with Magic Mountain and it was a lawsuit and, and the delays and, and the loss of money. And it was just, they put so much into that coaster. It was so expensive and they were so focused on it that they just, they, they just didn't have any other revenue coming in and so forth. And they really doomed themselves. And, and Arrow, in fact, went bankrupt and went out of business and was bought by SNS, et cetera, soon thereafter. And then Alan, of course, went on, you know, about less than 10 years later to, uh, to go over to Rocky Mountain Coasters and, and uh, become a lead designer there for Fred, for Fred Grubb. And of course, 
I would say, you know, some might say that say Steel Vengeance and and your your uh, Ibox track and that being the pinnacle of that is his maybe his magnum opus part two. I would perhaps make the claim that the single rail coaster, uh, the Raptor coaster technology might be his magnus opus part two. But can you imagine a something like a Jersey Devil, like a bigger Raptor coaster that we're going to hopefully all get to ride this year? Um, imagine that with a, a second set of auxiliary, auxiliary rails. So like the main single rail for the track, for the train itself, and then a couple of auxiliary rails to, again, control of the forward and back motion. But imagine that that crazy X2 type or X type technology, but with a single rail. That could just be insane. Well, and the thing is with computer technology, which, you know, there's quite a bit of technology, you know, uh, on the, the trains. But if you take that to the next level, um, there's there's nothing keeping you from controlling the perspective, the speed, everything from the the, the train itself. So he, he, he made it very mechanical in X2, which is brilliant, right? Right. And amazing, but there's nothing keeping you from, you know, taking some of the mechanical engineering aspects tied with technology and building it right into the train itself. Because I think, I do think the future is, is more single rail, you know, and, uh, but I think that the cars, you know, the trains are going to become so much more sophisticated and and make it more plug and play because it all boils down to maintenance and and maintenance cost and yep. and yep. and some of the x factor you, you don't want to have a, a critical you know computer error on a train you know midstream and have to figure out what to deal with that and so the more mechanical you can make it the better in some respects but yeah i can't i can't i can't wait i could talk about the future of, of roller coasters for a whole podcast maybe um, that'll be another episode you know yeah, but yeah there's so, yeah, there's so much yeah. but i'm saying it really just comes down to who's willing to you know pave the way and unfortunately, with everything going down on right now, you know, you 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 we may have to wait a little bit. But I'm yeah, I'm really excited you know. of, of the future technologies to uh, thrill you and scare you. <laughs> yeah, although I will have to say, Chuck, you know, I, I, we may not have to wait too long, maybe another year or two to see start to see some of these things because they're already in the works. Vacoma, for example, working on their storytelling coaster as in Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, yeah. opening at Epcot again in about a year or two, probably not this year because of the pandemic. And that is going to have cars that like Omni Movers rotate when they're supposed to, when Disney wants them to, Imagineering wants them to. And there's even rumors that they may, the riders may have control to whether they turn left or turn right to see different scenes and randomizations. And again, a lot of electronics on on board the trains to do that so it's a, it's a brave new world exciting uh even in the near term here for coaster technology but but let's go ahead and uh, yeah again we could talk about this for hours but there's other things we want to talk about here so let's dive into very understandably <laughs> your fear on on xx2 so so i'm guessing you wrote it by the way as x2 your first time right yes yes Okay. Yes. Given, given, given uh, Chase's age, right? Okay. So unlike Space Mountain, very, very much at the opposite end of, of what Space Mountain is, you know, where Space Mountain is inside a building, you cannot see it. You know, when you're walking up to the building, even in the queue, you can't see what's going on. Getting on the ride, all you see is just a little bit of the track there flat. That's all you see before you get on the ride. Whereas X2, yeah, it is very obvious. Six Flags, they could have put it in the back of the park, other parts of the park. No, they put it up front for obvious reasons. They want to scare people. They want to get people excited. It is their flagship coaster. It was their flagship coaster in 2001, and it's still their flagship coaster today. It may not be their new one, but it's their flagship. 
So you drive into that park, go up that hill, you walk up to that park, you're walking around that park, you can see that track, you see all this craziness going up. So with that in mind, you know, walking up to the coaster, having already seen it driving up, and then walking in through the queue. Tell me about all this that's built up to you now walking through the queue towards the station. What's going through your head this first time you rode X2? I can't bail. I can't bail. <laughs> I can't check And why out. is that? Yeah, because the, the thing is, I, I'm, a, I'm a guy that's, you know, I, I, I try to prepare myself to face my fears as much as I can because I overthink everything being a consultant. And so, but the challenge is, is that you build this store in your head and you make it worse. You make it right. worse. And, and so, and what's, I think, unique about X2, which I, people don't take into account, they're like, well, it's 90 degrees. But how long is it 90 degrees? How many feet is it 90 degrees? Most coasters that are beyond vertical, it feels like it's for 10 feet. Like, sure, right. it's got the steepest angle in the world, but then it like levels out like right away. So you like... You can hold your breath for a second and it's over. With X2, and I love to see the numbers here because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, cannibal, blah, blah. And I rode most of it except for the one in New Jersey. But I'm like, you, you like can say, okay, I can get through that little part. No problem. Like hang time and all these other ones that are like, look steep. It's like they recover like right away. X2, it's like 200 feet of 90. And so right. you really feel like it looks like you're going to be driven into the ground and just like you're done. Yep. Like you're falling from, you know, a building and just forget about it. Right. And so you, I got that built up. And it's like, sure, it's not only 90 degrees, it's 90 degrees forever, like eternity. <laughs> so right. that's what I'm working up. I am like, I'm prepared. I'm seeing every step forward is a step of progress. I'm sweating you know, outside already it's hot in Southern California. I see all my, my, my son, I'm like, should I start preparing a dip? Should I like freak him out? So he is my excuse. No, I can't do that. <laughs> you know? And how old was Chase? How old was Chase when he wrote it the first time? I think he was 10 or 11, right? He actually right. wrote right. that before he wrote like Superman, right? Wow. The wow. Superman for him was scarier because it was so much taller and it right. just looked so different going up backwards and coming down that way. But a lot of it's like this definitely was his second to last coaster there. And, right. and we've been building on coasters for quite some time, kind of putting a notch in the belt kind of thing. And I was like dreading the moment, like from season to season, almost it felt like, okay, is he going to want to do X2? Do I need to support him, you know, and support him through it and support myself? But we were there with people and friends and so there's a lot of peer pressure i didn't think i could get out of it. i was making all these great realistic reasons like oh maybe i got a really important business call all these things that i like gave myself <laughs> outs you know that would seem really realistic and it wouldn't be a big deal but i'm thinking i gotta do this i gotta do this i i was prepared to jump ship even at the last moments where they clicked it and even clicking in i was like prepared to like have a heart attack supposedly and see if i could get off the ride you know so right. i was i really worked myself up into a major frenzy right. and i admit it i admit it i was i was just scared beyond belief understandable understandable so very scared but keeping it inside kind of keeping your cool because you got your friends there the peer pressure you got your son there you don't want to freak him out so totally see where you're coming from so you got on the ride obviously you know we know the footnote here 
Well, yeah. What happened? So tell me about going from all that fear that you had bottled up inside, which you and I both being people that understand fear very well, which we talk about more later, you know, you know, that's not a good thing, but it was temporary. So maybe that's why you accepted it. It was just for a brief few minutes. You get on the ride, you go through the ride. Tell me about how you felt after you got off X2 for the first time. I survived. <laughs> <laughs> And if you, you're honest about X2, you know, it's not just mentally surviving and emotionally surviving. It's also surviving physically because yep. it is a hardcore coaster. You are thrown around quite a bit, even though you can see things going on. I felt like, again, I was like six year old, six years old in a bobsled, just with a, like a basic belt being thrown around the car because your limbs, when you're not prepared, are going in different directions and um, you, you got to orient yourself. And so I came off a little bit feeling like, you know, to a certain extent, I survived a car wreck. <laughs> right, right, but, right. But beyond that, I'm like, I don't care if I'm injured, even physically injured, I made it through the other side, right? I made yep, it through yep. the other side, like being in a plane in combat where, you know, all these missiles and things are coming your way and somehow you've, you've made it through the gauntlet and you've landed now. You're like, man, I did it. I did it. Right. I'm still alive. And checking yourself. No, I didn't lose anything here. You know, I, my pants are still clean. My drawers are still clean. I'm good. Nothing embarrassing. And then like, I hope there's a picture so I can prove it to myself. I did it. It wasn't a dream, um, <laughs> you know, but I, I felt like a rush, you know, right. like when you have right. all that stress and you get through that stress where you finally can breathe, where you're no longer holding your breath, like you're kind of coming up, you know, like you're drowning and like you finally get up into the air. And, you know, even though you're choking here a little bit, you're like, I survived. I can breathe again. I've made it. <laughs> Right. And that's makes a, a lot of huge sense. Rush. Yeah. It's like a huge rush of relief and a huge sense of like, you know, most people aren't thinking this in their heads, but this is a major accomplishment in my life. I've done it. Yep. I've done it. You know? Yep. Makes a lot of sense. And I can relate after the first time I went on it. The difference there is having ridden it again, I was writing it during season pass holder previews is what they were doing for that. Again, I can't remember. I know it was cold. It was either late 2001 or early 2002. Any case, it was, you know, right when it opened. So it still had those heavy original arrow trains and the track was buttery smooth, you know, brand new. So it was a super smooth ride and it was incredible. And I wish you could have experienced that and David as well. But D David, I when was the first time you rode X? Oh, 2015 was first time I oh, ever right. rode. So much later, much later. X okay. It was X2 at the time. I never got right. the opportunity to ride X. But I right. remember okay. X very well with its highlight, <laughs> highlighted colors. And <laughs> I was like, yep. wow, what yep. the? I was like, what the heck is that thing? <laughs> so you guys did not have the same perspective. Okay. So basically, you know, at the end of the day, besides all the rotations and the second set of rails, at fundamentally X is a wing coaster. Now it's not a B&M wing. It's obviously very different because of those other differences and the second set of rails and the rotation and all that. But because 
especially if you're in the outside, which everyone, El Coaster enthusiasts, you always want the outside seat and all that. But even on the inside seat, you know, you're still, you're, you're not super close to the rails. You know, the rails are still pretty far from you. So with that lever arm, you know, the engineer in me is coming out right now, but with that lever arm, how far away you are from the, the rails and where the, the train attaches to the track, any vibrations just get magnified. So X2, you know, granted the trains, there were new trains that, that Six Flags worked on and got developed that were much lighter and they'd be easier to maintain and last longer. But still, you know, the track you know, ages over time. And, you know, there's things you, you can't avoid expansions and, 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 and so forth uh, of, of the metal and whatnot. So, you know, X2 certainly is much more rough riding than originally X was just because of its age, the tracks age and, you know, any little vibrations, you know, like Chuck, you know, like you were saying, it's, you know, you really feel the intensity because of the nature of the coaster, because of the maneuvers and, and all of the different layout of the coaster and, and the rotations. But on top of that, you add in the age of the coaster and how, you know, it's a little bit on the rough side and then all the vibrations, you feel it, you really feel it on that ride. And um, it's an intense coaster for, for those reasons. So, so yeah, as you said, Chuck, it is an accomplishment for sure. Um, something to be proud of conquering your fear there. So um, would you say, so, so Chuck, it sounds like you wrote it, you know, about six, seven years ago, right? For the first time X2? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Four, four or five years ago. Yeah. Four or five years. Okay. So that was a big, big accomplishment, as you mentioned. How would you say, or what ways would you say that riding that ride, conquering that particular fear, how did it impact your life? Well, I think generally speaking, anytime you overcome a significant fear, you make it to the other side, it gives you a huge sense of confidence. Like right. I can, I can do these things. I now, I now have like points of reference to show myself that, well, if I can do this, that means there's a higher probability that I can do other things that put me in these really um, kind of scarier or uncomfortable situations. And what's really also interesting, the, the more I've done this, that that rush has like an after effect, you know, uh, not that it's a drug per se, but it, it gives you this, this sense of calmness, you know, that, wow, you know, I can carry this calmness through other kind of difficult situations, right? Where I'm not immediately, you know, put into an, an anxious state and a stressful state, you know, it's like an afterglow. <laughs> right, you know? right, and, right. It's almost and, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like so, so, but, but yeah, like, sorry, go ahead. so, you know, um, I, I think has a, a direct relationship to how you carry yourself, whether it could be relationships, it could be business, it could be school, any of these interpersonal things that happen to you where you're like, Hey, I, I can, uh, deal it and I can deal with this, but more importantly, I think it prepares you to maybe tell yourself a different story when you're confronting future fears to say, Hey, I really exaggerated so much, like over exaggerated the what could happen bad, because that's what happens when you create these long lasting fears that are hard to overcome is you you create all this extra baggage, like putting right. bricks in the back right. of your trunk, you know, that just weigh <laughs> you down. And so you 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 create you become this director in your head of these crazy negative stories. And I right. think I, I've told you this before. I, I really think it's like a failure of imagination. <laughs> right, right here right. right instead of you like making a, a successful version of imagination saying hey it can't be that bad stop over dramatizing it don't make it a horror story make it a rom-com or a comedy or like <laughs> you know 
Uh, you win it like a Mission Impossible day where you kind of come through at the end, you know, and you survive all falls, right? And right. And so that, and so anyway, I kind of it, it helps build it maybe a step by step foundation. That's what's really cool about coasters. It you you kind of can c- overcome these things in small doses. It's not like you're you know going from uh, audience of five to five thousand or five million. You're going from five to ten to fifteen to twenty to 100 and 100 to 200 and 200 to 500 and you overcome that speaking fear let's say you know what i mean right so, right so i i i think people underestimate the value of overcoming fears in the context of riding roller coasters that's very interesting and what i was going to say earlier is how you describe things there. I never really thought about it this way, but you know, if you think about uh, you know bodybuilders, you know they they do strength training and they gradually increase the number amount of amount of weight that they lift in whatever specific you know maneuver, specific uh, you know arms, legs, etc. Different different parts of their routine. And if you think about with with coasters and other ways of overcoming fear, but certainly coasters are a good controlled way of doing this. You're sort of doing strength training for, for fear, for being able to deal with fear. And you know, kind of, I never thought about this before, but kind of in the in the chronology of things for me, having ridden X in again late 2001, late 2002, uh, at that point, and I'd been on Superman, but. Um, Earlier in 2001, a few months earlier in August, I had been to Cedar Point for the first time and ridden ridden Millennium Forest, which was the big new coaster there at the time. And I'd ridden my first Giga. And I remember being a little bit scared, you know, of and whatnot of that. But it was nothing like what I was, how I felt about X and before and even afterwards, the intensity of it and how I felt so accomplished riding X. And really nothing ever since having ridden X's, again, sister coasters on the other side of the world. And all these other crazy coasters that I've ridden since, like Top Thrill Dragster and King to Ka, Formula Rosa, some of the tallest and fastest coasters in the world and multi-launch coasters and all this crazy stuff. Uh, nothing compares to X, whether it be the first ride on X or even later rides on X, of how intense it is and how scary it was that first time. You know, it really is, it really goes to show you if you have a coaster that really scares you, and this is not necessarily for you, Chuck, or you, David, this is for our audience. Because, you know, we, we, again, we try to encourage people to face their fears in a, in a good, healthy way. Coasters are great for that. If you are really scared of a coaster, there is nothing better than you can do than to ride that coaster. Now, maybe it'll help you if you have a friend you really trust, you know, to ride with you or a parent or, or whatnot. Go ride that coaster and conquer that fear. And you're doing that strength training for fear. And by doing that, it's not just about conquering fear of other coasters. It's other fears in life. It's it's strength training to deal with a very paralyzing aspect of life that impacts all of us, fear and, and anxiety, and then the ultimate, which is panic attacks. And if you can strength train yourself like that, you can help minimize those impacts later in life. Well, so I and, think that's really powerful. And, and I, I like still the, the idea that fear is okay and fear is healthy, but you're, you're, you're creating a toolkit or a bags of tricks to help you more easily overcome those fears, right? And right. Uh, you know, right. and so and and that's what they always say. Well, that's courage, right? But that's what you're doing is you call it strength training or just kind of again having some tips and tricks and experiences that say, hey, don't over dramatize it. Kind of come up with a good uh, technique and step by step, you know, make sure you're on a track to overcome that fear. Don't just 
completely become apathetic to it or ignore it. Because what's crazy about it, and this is why I want to deal with it, I'll, and I always try to deal with it, even though you think you're not, con- you're not, you're not confronting your fear, you're avoiding it, it's always there. When you're afraid of something, it's unavoidable. Right, and, right, and, right. And so you can ignore it, try to ignore it, but it's always weighing you down. Even though you may not see the, you know, all the bricks in your trunk, right. they're always there, weighing you down, costing your gas, gas mileage, wear and tear on your car and your <laughs> brakes. And it's just costing you so much in every part, no matter where you go, those bricks are still back there weighing you down, right? Um, yep, no matter where absolutely. you're going, right? And, and that impacts your everything you do. Absolutely. And to your point, and again, this goes well beyond coasters as to the, the, the life and life is very much, you know, a figuratively like a roller coaster. It has its ups and downs. And again, we're talking about fear and fear and facing fears and roller coasters. And, but, you know, we're going to be dealing, we are, we do deal with fears and anxieties and concerns about how, what's going to happen in the future in life. And you can't avoid that. You can't avoid fear. You can't avoid anxiety. What we're talking about here, we're really dealing with here, and what you can make a difference in is how you deal with those situations, how you deal with those concerns, those fears, those anxieties, and how you can weather through it. Exactly. Because and life I, happens. Life well, happens. And, and what's interesting is I, I take a little bit different spin on life is a roller coaster. Because when people say life is a roller coaster, and a lot of people that may say this actually just know roller coaster, what that means, but they don't necessarily ride roller coasters. They, they say, well, it's like up and downs. You have up and downs. Ups are, are great and downs are bad. Well, for coaster enthusiasts, it's the opposite. And people True. who ride yep. coasters, the lift hill is the dreading, the anticipation you know, building the fears, getting it, maybe excited or not. But once you get over that lip and get that airtime, that's the thrill, right? So I think life starts at airtime, right? Ejector, right. floater, free fall, you know, the inversions, you know. And so I can't take the complete opposite. I want the the hills, you know, said anticipation, getting in line and getting going. Da, da, da. That's the thing that Chase hated the most, actually, is those long anticipation hills where you can imagine everything that goes wrong. And why can't I get off now? I want to get off now. I see their stairs going down. Can they stop and let me just yep. walk down? No, you're doing it. You're already in. <laughs> right. And you're so it's a different in. take, yep. but that's my take. Life starts at airtime. That's why people covet these coasters is because of some of those elements, you know, of when you course, look at everyone's list, when you look at everyone's top 10 list and top 25 list, there's very few that actually have these inversion crazy coasters because more times than right. not head banging. There's too much of them. Who knows? Or they're just redundant. Who knows? It's the ones that are cool ones like the zero G you know, stalls and rolls where you get airtime as part of them. Those vertical hit like, yep. you wave know, turns. I love wave turns. <laughs> you know, all Down those. Chilky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's where, again, you know, life starts at airtime, right? And it is like a yep. little. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Anyways, so we, we've gone through here and we've kind of kind of gone through the first half of the interview and, uh, you know, kind of talking about fear and, the, you know, beginnings and getting into coasters and your first fear and your scariest coaster. And now we're going to go into the second half of the interview, which, again, we're going to do a little differently a little later on for you, Chuck, because of some of your unique experiences. And this is going to be a lot of fun. So let's dig into that. So first of all, 
Chuck, tell yeah. me what is the craziest moment you ever had on a coaster? Well, there, I think there's two ways to look at crazy. I know a lot of people like to think crazy as rollbacks and whatnot. And, and so I can, one moment, we actually got evac'd off of uh, Big Thunder Mountain at Disneyland, which was kind of interesting because you get to see behind the works. <laughs> <laughs> right. And on the, the yep. final loop hill, you know, where they have, I think, the, all the TNT inside and. Yep. All the effects. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a, a lot of enthusiasts kind of like look for those, oh, I had a rollback or, oh, I got evac'd. But one of the crazier moments I think I had just because of all the different types of roller coasters I've ridden was riding in the back, going backwards on DC Rivals, uh, getting oh, yeah. significant ejector airtime going backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Because what's cool there is that they reverse the car. The last cars revert, like turn backwards. And you actually have right. to pay extra to ride that. And it looks like oh, they're, making, they're making that a thing in Australia. Because I think one of their newer coasters is also going to be doing the same exact thing over at, I think, the SeaWorld Park or something. And I think that may be a, a GCI or something. But anyway, that was such a crazy experience just kind wow. of out of control going off like going 70 miles an hour because i know there's other coasters that go backwards which are yes kind of, of course fun, you know like mr freeze and some of these others but that speed and those crazy elements in reverse that you're not really yep. used to a lot of enthusiasts are they kind of know how to move when they're going through these coasters and they know how to maximize the thrill and so and i know a lot of enthusiasts have that have had that opportunity to go ride that coaster but i just can't i do not understand why there can't be some park that takes a chance on on mock rides and saying we even if you took it as a clone who cares right right here. Why can't you bring one of those here? People have money. Because um, that is one amazing coaster. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and <laughs> this reminds me of, uh, you know, of course, as we as enthusiasts, you know, we have all kinds of interesting conversations that non-enthusiasts don't have. You know, our favorite ride manufacturers, our favorite coasters and our favorite elements. And, you know, and one of my closest uh, coaster buddies here in Florida, I, I talk about him all the time in the podcast and we're planning to have him on as a guest. Uh, my friend Austin from Amusement Insider and Behind the Thrills, he runs both those channels. He, uh, almost to the point of embarrassment, Mac is his, or Mach, pronounce it, is his favorite coaster company and me and other other coaster enthusiasts a group of friends here that all live here in florida we we kind of you know jokingly make fun of him about it you know because slinky dog dash the 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 acceleration isn't so great and and copperhead strike is uh, you know it's fun but it's it's not an intimate launch you know it's not an intimate lsm or a blitz coaster but you know again i don't i don't dislike mock i think they're great rides um, I think Manta, uh, which David and I, when the first time we met in SeaWorld San Diego, we wrote that. That's a family launch coaster, multi-launch. It's a fun ride. But I really would love to ride a mock coaster, and I haven't yet, that really wows me. And so I've never been to Australia, and I would love to ride DC Rivals because everyone that I, you know, I don't, you're the only person I know personally, Chuck, that's ridden it that I'm aware of. But, you know, I've seen interviews and read stories of people that have been there and been on it. Everyone raves about it. So I, I got to get to Australia. I, one, because I want to go to Australia. I love to travel and never been there. But I got to get on that ride. That sounds awesome. And riding backwards, I'll pay to ride backwards. Sure. Yeah, and I'll, <laughs> I'll get, I have one more word for you. Helix. Yes. Helix, right? Helix is, that is a an mock coaster, isn't it? 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've not been on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's so right. That's, that's a, right. That's another amazing, amazing coaster, which is in my top ten, uh, and I think it's the best inversion-based coaster that I've ever ridden. Interesting. They, they, they know how to do it, you know? And so that's, that's the only real, like, again, inversion heavy, you know, non kind of necessarily perfect, like airtime stalls that I just love to death, you know? And so, but yeah, so anyway, yes, I would love them to bring coasters here, but those, you know, when I, when I think it crazy and and I, the reason I, I, I like go places is try to find these unique extreme coasters. Right. right. Um, well, yeah, you know, yeah, that's that's what I, I love is that kind of uniqueness, because some sometimes, you know, even sometimes RMC gets a little cookie cutter. They're awesome, you right. know, um, but it's not like, wow, that was a different experience or it's more like, yeah. oh, that's more of the same experience. But yeah, so where those two mock rides are were just really amazing. Yeah, and that's awesome. And it's great to, to get another validation and something a more personal, again, you being the one person and that I'm friends with that has been on that and raves about it. Uh, that, you know, the validation that, that Mach can make awesome coasters. I still have not been on time traveler. I'm hoping to get on it in the next year or two. And, and I'll, yeah, right. and I'm, I'm sure everyone I know, again, my friend Austin, he loves time traveler and it's like, he always wants to go to silver dollar city. It's his, one of his favorite mock coasters. Um, but you know, to even beyond time traveler, getting into hyper coasters and, you know, more extreme coasters, longer coasters and whatnot that, you know, Mach can make a really amazing ride. And you know what? The three of us here, we're, we all have uh, a number of things in common, but one of them is we're, you know, U.S. citizens and we, you know, go all over the U.S. periodically riding coasters and traveling. And rumor has it that my favorite home park, home resort here, Universal Orlando, uh, in a few years when Epic Universe opens, rumor has it that, that the dueling coaster that you can see in the artistic renderings of Epic Universe that's uh, next to the uh, what's probably going to be the How to Train Your Dragon land that is supposedly going to be a racing mock coaster. Awesome. And the deal is done and all these rumors has been substanti substantiations and so forth. So maybe we'll see a pretty extreme mock coaster because if there's one major chain in the U.S. that is not afraid to build extreme coasters in their, you know, highly themed parks, I'm looking at you, Velocicoaster, it's universal. So yeah. uh, I think that, you know, Epic Universe, I cannot wait for that. But anyway, that's not part of our interview. But uh, again, hopefully Mach is going to have good things coming to the U.S. here. It looks like it is. So, all right. So that is definitely a crazy moment. Riding an extreme mm -hmm. coaster with extreme elements like that and from the, in reverse makes a lot of sense. Uh, you already kind of touched upon, talked about Helix being on your top 10. Sounds like DC Rivals is in your top 10, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. We know a couple in your top 10 is one of those, or maybe there's a different one. Tell me which coaster is your favorite of all time right now. At Expedition G-Force. Ah. Germany at, at Holiday Park. That thing is a masterpiece, you know? And so it's, it's an intimate coaster yep. and it's really the very first coaster, you know, this is still kind of a little bit early in my process of writing a lot of coasters where I started feeling more comfortable to say, you know what? I want to ride coasters for the rest of my life <laughs> because of this. Right. You know I mean? It was that coaster. It was that life changing coaster saying, you know what? This thing, if, if someone can make this, that the drop, that first drop is considered for most people, one of their top 10 drops just because of you know, not only the angle, but the, the way the curve of it a little bit, how it rotates, 
as it goes mm. down. It's just right, you know, amazing. And the ejector airtime and airtime, it, it's not like token airtime because you can see a lot of coasters these days before the lift hill and sometimes at the end. They throw in a lot of like token bunny hops. Yeah. This thing is just like pre-programmed to be like the perfect airtime coaster. Um, it's just up wow. and down, no versions. And this again is if you know Werner Stegel, you know that Werner Stegel, Intamin, he's like their yes. famous Intamin designer and like real famous for all of the coasters he's designed and been part of. Uh, the We got a, a really cool behind the scenes kind of program when we got there because I was part of the Coaster Kids European trip with Taylor nice. and OVC and we were kind of there. It was awesome. And the president was talking to us and he kind of spent time talking about Expedition G-Force. And he knew Banner really well. And they, there was a lot of conversations before, during, and after they um, opened up Expedition G-Force. He told the president of the park that this was his magnum opus, that he wasn't sure he would ever build more of a perfect coaster than this. That's awesome. Um, just kind of That's beginning really cool. to end how everything was perfectly situated with the, the landscape and, you know, the orientation. And from beginning to end, this was his coaster. This is, you know, because I think a lot of designers, they, they have to deal with certain requirements that force compromise. And right, of course. they're creative in how to overcome these requirements. Because you're an engineer, you get this. You know, with the resources, availability, everything's going on, money, da 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 Space. You know, they make the best of it. And that's their creative genius is trying to make it the best of, you know, these scenarios, you know, unlike X2, where it seemed like they had a blank check was part of the problem, but we get the benefit of this blank check, you know, (laughs) and and this company going to business. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. But I'm saying (laughs) that's what he thinks. So it's not the tallest. It's not the fastest. It's not the longest. It doesn't have inversions. It's not a giga, you know, but I think it's perfection. It really, I, I just, and I'm looking for that other one to, I, I go to Hollywood Nights and been on Voyage Without Trims and DC Rivals and everything else. And I still, this is it for me. Well, that's obviously, that makes sense since you're, it's your number one then. And, and uh, you know, we were talking about Mach a little bit. You know, again, I like Mach, but now you're speaking my language with Intamin. Intamin is my favorite. My top two coasters are Intamins. They are, of course, Maverick I mentioned earlier and Soaring with Dragon, which was amazing. Did you ride Soaring with Dragon when you were in China? No, I, oh, I, I got, man. I, we had to make, we went to a lot of different places. And, and right, that was, right. it's hard, it was hard for us to get out of major cities, you know. I understand so, so China's a big country. Kind of get out there, and we were just like kind of tied more to the major cities. But that is definitely on the list because I'm definitely going back to China. But um, but yeah, yeah. Intamin's also I love RMCs. I think they're amazing. Oh yes. Um, but I just I just love the the feel of these in, basic Intamins, you know. And yep. so that's yep. some of the crazier ones because I think my worst coaster is also an Intamin. But yeah, the, my favorite coasters, you know, I love Maverick. It, it's just, oh yes. Uh, yeah, and and you. You're not alone with your favorite. Uh, again, I've not been on Expedition G-Force, but a friend of mine here in Florida, uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know him, uh, Drew the Intern, uh, who's probably most famous because he uh, is uh, works within the loop and is on their podcast and does a lot of their videos. Talk to Drew all the time. 
good guy. Uh, he's been all over Europe, all over the world. Um, he has, I think, a higher coaster count than most people I know. Uh, and and Ex- Expedition G-Force, I, I don't know if it's his number one, but it's like right up there. He's talked about it a lot and so forth. Yeah. And, and also, you know, Chuck, you brought up an interesting point. I know both of you guys, you know, you weren't, and I want to say you guys, I mean, you and David here talking on the, on the episode here in the interview, uh, you guys weren't coaster enthusiasts necessarily, you know, back in the coaster wars era, the late nineties into the early two thousands. And if you really think about it, we got some great coasters from the coaster wars. We got millennium force, we got X2 and et cetera, but we also got some stupidity. We got King Dika a year after, I think it was a year after um, um, Top Hole Dragster, you know, just a little higher, a little faster, having the tallest, the fastest. Those aren't necessarily what makes a great coaster. I mean, King to Ka, I don't think is on many people's top 10 lists. It's not on mine. Uh, it's a great coaster, but it's it's nothing that special. Maverick, my number one, is not the tallest. It's not the fastest. Took out the inversion, but it's just so fun. I love the elements of it. I love the quick transitions. The the, the second launch is great, and you know everything. So even that first launch is kind of silly. It's just a fast lift hill, basically. But that second launch is everything. You know. So I think the the coaster wars and what's come since then has taught the parks even Six Flags, has taught the coaster designers, the coaster manufacturers, that it's not about the the records necessarily anymore. It's more about the unique designs and using all the great technology we have now, the computer-assisted design and how coasters are designed, you know, in the modern era and how the Alan Schilkes and, you know, Intamin and all these other companies, how they can really make these amazing, you know, intricate designs with these crazy maneuvers and crazy layouts. And that's, I think, in part what makes coasters exciting nowadays and what's coming, what, what the trend is these days, you know, the single rail stuff that Alan's doing with Rocky Mountain Coasters and you now Intamin's getting into that. And you know what? I know Intamin, yeah, they're copying RMC, but you know what? Intamin makes very unique, awesome, aggressive layouts in their inverted coasters. So I can't wait to see what they're going to do with a single rail. Well, competition is great. And yep. so I think that's um, awesome. And like Railblazer is amazing and it's short, short, short and it's over, but it is jam packed. And I love that coaster. That was Chase's 100th coaster. And, oh, nice. Um, but uh, you know Bradley, right? You know Bradley. I met, I know, yeah, Bradley. Yeah, I know Bradley and Mindy. I, I've never yeah, met them, yeah, but yeah. I've talked so to Mindy anyway, a lot. Yeah. I've yeah. talked a lot to him. He, he's a really cool guy. I know he, he gets yeah. some people upset because he's really sometimes out there, but. One of the things that I truly believe <laughs> is that we were talking about this whole thing. De- he, he did the analysis, which is awesome because he's very analytical, very smart guy. We had nice. this kind of idea of this Goldilocks zone of of like the perfect com- perfect coaster, and um, and there's so, so there's a speed sweet spot, there's a length sweet spot, there's a height sweet spot, and all this kind of dictates pacing and and kind of feel. And it's right. that, that 70 mile per hour zone and a certain length, you know, a certain height that kind of kind of gets you there. And that's where, again, that's what's really cool about that. But yeah, I think that's that's why that Keenan Ka's not on everyone's top 10 list. It makes a lot of sense. And then you've got Maverick, which I think the the top speed is around 70. A Velocicoaster is going to be right at 70 after that second launch. And uh, Soaring with Dragon is a little over 70. Pan- uh, Pantheon's going to be around there. So, yep. yeah, I think there's something to that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We've been talking a lot about some of the positives, uh, you know, the, the kind of the favorite coasters, the favorite coaster companies. Let's just briefly here look at the flip side. Let's let's take a look, Chuck. Tell me and tell our listeners, what is your least favorite coaster and why? Uh, Magic Mountain Green Lantern, first flight. <laughs> 
David covers his head because that's David's least favorite too. <laughs> I, I think it's a lot of people's least favorite. I think it's, you know, airtime thrills. There's lots of people that hate this ride. And um, and I think that's an intimate, right? That's an intimate. Yeah, it is. 4D. And so, but again, I think some, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I wrote it once. I never wanted to write it again, but I was kind of peer pressured into write it one more time. So I give one more chance, but this is literally physically surviving a car wreck. Cause I get off physically injured. I, yeah, I got yeah. wrapped on that thing multiple times. Thank God I've already had all my children. And oh my gosh. And it, I, I've come off with it multiple, both times with bleeding because I don't know what it was with it, but the way your, your calves hit up against the side, depending on where you are on this thing and your orientation, I think there's like pieces of plastic or something that exposed, you know, that would like kind of stab me or a little bit or rub me wrong. And it's just, it was just, I'd write an SLD, SLC all the time over that thing. You know, <laughs> oh, wow. Nonstop. But anyway, I'm glad I don't have to ride those anymore. Uh, that anymore. Right. The S and S's aren't as bad, obviously, but, uh, right. but that's my, my least favorite. That is a very, uh, I guess I would say valid least favorite. Cause we're talking about opinions here. And I say valid because so many people I know agree with you on that. There's very little love lost about Green Lantern being taken out of Magic Mountain, especially now that we know some of the more substantiated rumors are kind of coming through that maybe next year, the year after Green Lantern may be replaced by a raptor or something along the lines of a raptor, which obviously is going to be much better loved, I'm sure. So. A new, like a Jersey Devil type single rail. Yes, yes. I mean, knowing Six Flags, uh, you know, Great Adventure, Great America, Magic Mountain, and perhaps Fiesta Texas, those are like the flagship major tier one, you know, top tier Six Flags parks. And, you know, Great Adventure doesn't get as much love as it used to. But again, during the coaster wars, they got King Ka. You know, they've gotten some crazy coasters, El, El, you know, El Toro and whatnot. Um, Magic Mountain is the one that oftentimes a lot of the records are broken. And, you know, you get things like X2, uh, got one, you know, they got one of the earlier hyper coasters with Goliath, et cetera. Um, I could see Magic Mountain doing even something bigger than Jersey Devil, you know, the biggest yet RMC single rail. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Well, I guess we'll find out another year or two. Well, well um, and the rumor is what I've kind of heard indirectly was that they were supposed to get it before New Jersey because of West hmm. Coast racers. They couldn't get it because of the timing. They couldn't make it happen. It may be easier for this to happen because it may have already been bought and purchased and everything's kind of ready and teed up. It's just right. for the right timing and the right marketing because I know that's a huge part of it. Of course. Of course. So, I'm yeah. sure whatever it is, it'll be it'll be better than Green Lantern. It, I think it'll we be can day and night in that, that space. Day and night. They'll go from worst <laughs> to best. Right. Right, right. That'll be exciting to see what comes in there. All right. So um, now, Chuck, we're going to dig into some of the questions that I have crafted specifically for you, given some of your more unique experiences that I think our listeners are starting to get to hear about. You know, the fact that you've been on DC Rivals, which probably very few of our listeners have been on. Tell our listeners about the rarest coaster credit that you have. I'll start locally and kind of move my way out because I want to get to the, that one first. But I, I'm amazed at okay. how few people have ridden leap the dips at you know lakemont park you know right the, the oldest coaster in the world still running i guess 
since 1904. Because right. I was like, here, someone's like, oh, I still got to go there. These people that have like 600, 700 credits and haven't done it yet. And it's in Pennsylvania, but it is kind of out of the way, depending on where you're going. But um, right. that's probably something that people can relate to. They know they can look up on RCDB and it's like, oh, it's there. I can go do that. But that's probably rare. It'll be rare if they get rid of it. But I kind of like think rare of maybe you could still write it. But probably the sure. rarest of rare is uh, it's got this really creative name because, again, it's in China. It's called Roller Coaster. <laughs> <laughs> it's in Beijing at this uh, basic park, kind of think like Central Park in New York, but it's like in the middle of Beijing. It's the, it is an extreme coaster built by a Chinese manufacturer that never, no one's ever heard of called Herbei blah, blah, blah. Um, oh, it comes yeah. from us. Huh. And uh, it has three inversions. It's at a random park that actually had 10 coasters. Most people don't always necessarily go to that park. Um, you, when you go through the park, it's just a regular park. You can't even see the coasters as you go in. You have to go find your way through a forest almost to see them. Wow. And it's a coaster really that officially I, I told my wife that we weren't going to ride because it potentially, you know, the whole idea may be not so well maintained. <laughs> it wasn't like an Intamin or an SNS or from a, a normal manufacturer, even with some of the more popular manufacturers in, in China. Right. Like Golden Horse. And yeah, it, yeah, it, ex exactly. But it was a kind of a, a really interesting uh, coaster. Uh, what's interesting also about this park is that it's kind of like state fair style where you go up to a ticket booth, you get get a ticket and you go to the coaster. Uh, but what's different about this one is they actually turn the ride on when you get there. So it's not oh. like it's running. They don't do a test run. You just get on the coaster and hope for the best. And we were really afraid. We weren't planning on riding it. We wanted to go check it out, take pictures. We looked at it. The good news was it helped us. We saw someone else ride the coaster first. So it's like, well, they survived. Should we go for it? And it was really 50-50 where should we do this? Kind of getting on a crazy airplane that you don't know who's running this airline. And it's a shuttle jumper from, you know, somewhere in Jamaica to somewhere in Puerto Rico or something. Like, should we really be doing this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can and, relate. And, and, yeah. and we did it. And so people that go to China, they have their hit list. And it would be rare that they'd probably spend time going to a place like this. But it was after we done another park and like, let's just go there. It's like five minutes away. We took a cab, jumped off and said, let's just go get some credits because definitely Chase wants to get his credits. And we did it. It was called Roller Coaster. The other one, just real quickly for two seconds that I didn't know was something that coveted, but someone, a big YouTuber mentioned it, but it's a unique coaster. And that was a wooden wild mouse coaster at Luna Park in Sydney, which has got this really cool entrance. And that was a really cool ride. And it felt dangerous where you felt like you were going to go off the side. Like you do sometimes a lot of places where they have a wild mouse that may not be well maintained, but this was a wooden Wild mouse. Yeah, wooden wild mouse. Wow, that's I've never heard of that. That's crazy. So, well, those are some those are some uh, unique coasters. I've been all over the U.S. I've not been to Lake Mont because it's a smaller park. And back when I, you know, the couple times I've been and done the Pennsylvania parks, you know, like you know Hershey, of course, and and whatnot. And um, you know, I I didn't know about Lake Mont. This is you know twenty years ago when I went to Hershey first time. But but uh, yeah, so I've not been to Leap the Dips. Um, 
you know, roller coaster in China. When I planned my China trip, I did a lot of research, and this was a few years ago. Internet was available, and I used the internet quite a bit. I did not know about roller coaster. Uh, you know, and what you described there about it's kind of scary. You know, they turn it on, you have to see how it goes. I did have an experience like that in China at the same park where Soaring with Dragon is at Hefei Wanda. Now it's called Hefei Sunak and the Battle of Jungle King. The uh, one of only two tilt coasters in the world, yes. and the one that's not made by Vagoma, the one that's made by Golden Horse. And yep, that's you know, X, X was scary. I knew I was going to survive X. It's you know, Arrow was, was one of the most reliable coaster manufacturers in the world when they were the, the kings of coasters, you know, for decades. And you can see that in the Arrow documentary that Ace put out, which is amazing. Uh, my friend Chris Robury, who I work on with the Ace podcast, he put that, he made that documentary, produced it, and he did a great job with it. But anyways, Golden Horse is like the opposite of, of Arrow. Well, I was scared of X just because of the layout of it. And what's this going to feel like? Oh my God, that drop and face down. Golden Horse riding Battle of Jungle King. It's like, oh my God, is when this tilts, is it going to connect up with the rest of the track? Or is the train going to go off? Because this, this thing is not that reliable because it's some knockoff Chinese coaster. So that was a scary thing there. So kind of like you're, you know, this unknown manufacturer with roller coaster, you know, how that's going to go. But I'm glad, of course, that you guys made it through okay. Those are some very, very unique credits. So that that's pretty awesome. And I want to say something real quick too, so it doesn't get yes. screwed. Yes. We went to China and you went to Shanghai and you've been to Dubai, right? I've been to Dubai about a dozen times. Yes. Okay, got it. So I think Shanghai is one of the most modern and technically advanced cities I've ever been to. It is. Oh, absolutely. Crazy insane how modern and technically yep. advanced they are in, in China and specifically Shanghai. And it's not the only city. There's even Shenzhen and some of these other cities that are amazing. They're right. right now playing catch up, I think, with a lot of coasters. And so not that they're not capable of having the best coasters in the world and they're not can't maintain them well. But you just never know who's the person actually with that wrench or not. <laughs> right. Right. And so you get a false sense of security when it says intimate on it, you know, or whatever else. SNS. You're like, OK, we may be OK here. You know what I mean? That false sense of security. Yes. But, but yeah, and they're building more coasters than anyone else in the world right now, China. It's crazy. Oh yeah. It's insane there. And yeah, Shanghai was, I went to Shanghai, Beijing, a couple smaller cities, but just the, like you said, Shanghai was the most modern and what tripped me there. It's just crazy. I've never, and I've been all over the world. Like you said, I've been to the UAE. I've been all over the Middle East, all over Asia. I've been to Tokyo. I've been to Singapore. I've been to Paris, London, countless other big cities, but being on the uh, metro system, on the subway system there in Shanghai, where they have the the uh, lit up advertisements on the other trains and on the walls where they animate. And I've never seen anything like that before. And listeners, the, I'm probably not describing this, so I'm probably wondering what the heck this is. Probably can look it up on YouTube. But yeah, the level of, of modernization that China has gone through over the past couple of decades is just unprecedented. We haven't seen this anywhere else in the world, that speed of, of development and the train, the high-speed train train system oh, that you and awesome. I used Shanghai over there is amazing. Oh, yep. And yep. you see a lot of ghost towns because everyone's moved to cities when you take that. I love taking that train from Shanghai to Beijing. That was awesome. Yep. But yeah, yep. it's it's the fastest train in the world. That was a thrill by itself. Well, Amazing. actually, that is not the fastest. It's one of the fastest trains in the world. But I don't know. Did you actually get to ride the maglev train between Shanghai City and Shanghai Airport? I think we did ride that. Is it was it wait, wait, is that the one that goes by uh Disney? No, it doesn't go near Disney, as I recall. 
Okay, because I think it's just it, a straight. Yeah, because yeah. I rode one a straight one that's supposed to be super fast, but you know, yep. and so it could have been that same one. But yeah, it's it, but just compared to what we right now, yeah, yes, it's like I'm we're just giving going a hard time backwards. Yeah. <laughs> so I used to take yep. the Amtrak yep. from you know DC to you know uh, Manhattan, and you know what a difference. That's like yep. it felt like you're in the fifties versus right. <laughs> 2020. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Anyway, yeah. I just want to throw that about yeah. China, you know, that, that we're dinging China at all, but I'm just saying it is, it is so modern advanced. It was crazy, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Those are unique yeah, for, credits. Those are unique credits. For sure. And for our listeners, again, a lot of coaster enthusiasts, obviously listen to this podcast for obvious reasons. If you're thinking about going to China, uh, go, it's relatively safe. Just have your street smarts. There are people that might try to scam you out of money and, you know, try to get you in a taxi cab and they're, they're, they're not, they're just going to take you where you're going to go, but they're going to charge you double. Just, you know, just you use your street matter. smarts and well, just, you know, well, get recommendations. Yeah. And, and there's a go false ahead. impression. Cause I want to throw this out here. Yeah. We yeah. were planning on doing a trip to Florida when we are considering a trip for this time period, this uh, spring break, it, we spent less money going to China. Right. And we stayed in like Waldorf Astoria's versus like you know holiday inns or whatnot and yep. we had better airfare like like air accommodations and it was cheaper than going to florida for us we live in california you know so it's different than if you live in virginia going down to florida so it was actually very inexpensive very yep. very yep. inexpensive to go to china compared to going to florida Florida's great, but also very expensive. And so, so a lot of people think, oh, it's going to be like going to Japan. It is like half the price. No, no, it's nothing like going to Japan or Europe. Speaking of China and Australia, you've been to and have been all over Europe. Tell me, you know, besides the coasts you've already mentioned, like, you know, Expedition G-Force and DC Rivals and whatnot. Tell me about some of your other favorite international coasters you've been on. Amusement parks with coasters is going to Denmark, going to Tivoli Gardens. Oh, I, okay. I love Tivoli Gardens. And it's usually not people's first, second, or third like list when they go to Europe is to even go to Tivoli Gardens because it's a little bit out of the way. And they're like, oh, we're just going to go to Sweden. And they'll just start there. But it's actually very easy to start in Copenhagen and then and then get a train to Gothenburg and you're kind of good to go. But Tivoli Gardens and specifically uh, Ruchabonen their wooden coaster because i'm not sure a lot of people know but um walt disney went to tivoli in 1951 as he was still trying to figure out what disneyland should be and he took copious notes and he said i want the kind of the theme and the look and the feel to be like tivoli gardens in a lot of ways that's really cool they have they have the precursor to matterhorn which Matterhorn was, wasn't Matterhorn their first extreme ride, whatever you want to call extreme for Disney. Well, it was the, it was the first big coaster, the first steel coaster. Yeah. 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 Late and 50s, it yeah. kind of gave Arrow their real start in a lot of ways. What's amazing about this coaster, Ruchabonin, which is a wooden coaster, it kind of has a, a feel of Matterhorn, but a little bit smaller scale is it, it's wooden, first of all, and it, it's trained in the middle of, of, cars, it actually has a spot like a seat, a metal seat with a, a brake where they, they have a brake man who actually is responsible for braking this. They have buzz bars, they have wooden seats. So imagine Phoenix, some of their airtime moments, but in a dropping hill. So you're in the dark, you're not expecting it. And all of a sudden you're almost standing straight up and then you're landing almost as hard as possible in these wooden seats. <laughs> Right. 
It is one of the most coolest experiences. I, I think if someone put a gun to my head and said, which would you want to keep riding, Ruchibonin or Phoenix? I'd say Ruchibonin because it is so unique. It's not, you know, Phoenix is awesome because at the bus bars and you just go flying around. But imagine doing that in the dark in a, a tunnel, like in a drop in a tunnel where you're kind of dropping in. And by the way, they also have the Bombadil Snowman inside there. Oh, nice. And they have kind of like, it's a small world there. And they have all this beautiful landscaping and and just theming everywhere and it's like kind of five steps off the train station you go into like you get off the train you kind of walk across the street you're in there and you're in a completely different world it it is it is so underrated and so hidden for many people and it's one of the oldest parks in the world um so it Mm. like got its start like around the 1850s and by the way one train ride away is a park called Bakken, which has been around since the 1500s. Wow. And they've got their own version of Ruchibana, which is a little bit older. It's like 1930s versus 1914. But they have this awesome spinning, I think it's an intimate spinning coaster called Tornado, which I think some people have in their top, easily their top 50. And what's cool about that, you get off the train and you can ride, you can actually ride a horse-drawn carriage to the park. Wow. That's pretty cool. Drive to the train. You can go to the parking and then as you go in the forest, in a deep forest, like a hunting forest, they hunt in this forest. And you take this horse-drawn carriage and you get off at a restaurant. And on the left side, right side is the restaurant. On the left side is the entrance into the park called Bakken. So basically the horse-drawn carriage is the equivalent of the tram at Disney. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And that's also just a short train ride out of Copenhagen, this place called Bakken. It is a treat in a kind of a crazy world, it's comparable to doing uh, Europa Park and Fantasia Land. Right. In a different right. world setting. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, yeah, you totally. Totally. Years and there you're here in, in Tivoli Gardens and Bakken. So, anyway, that's, uh, you know, beyond China, we're going to get in China here, but just doing that. And one thing I want to, before we leave that territory of the world, one of my yeah, favorite, yeah, yeah. favorite um, moments, you know, because I know a lot of people travel from park to park and they have these 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 uh, kind of road warrior sessions in their car, kind of going from point to point. <laughs> you cannot avoid when you go to Liseberg to drive from Liseberg in the, the south of Sweden all the way up to Stockholm. You pass Kalmarden. We didn't go to Kalmarden first. We went to to Stockholm first to get the credit so we could make a wildfire like a significant credit for Chase. I think it was his 200th coaster. Right. But that drive, it was like a five hour drive or something. But that right. drive was like life altering. Chase and, oh. and Michelle like fell asleep, but just all just kind of going through the wilderness of Sweden was just- Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So, so uh, amazing. So people plan a trip, really start Copenhagen, then go over to Liseberg, then just get a car and drive through Sweden. It was just not during the winter, obviously. Right, right. That was amazing. Awesome, awesome. So I know you've been hinting at this. So, you know, some really cool credits there in Europe and some old and some new. Talked about earlier, you know, Expedition G-Force and so forth and Helix and whatnot. So uh, what about, I guess there's some more stories to be told in terms of some of your uh, favorite uh, credits in China. So is there more in China to talk about? Well, I'm going to take the opposite just and I'll be quick, but it's so memorable. It's like a Moby Moby Dick moment, (laughs) a literary reference. The great white whale. Yep. Well, we, yep. have, we have a great white whale in China. The backstory is this. When we were thinking about doing this, the first thing I said is just like, Chase, you have to tell me your top coasters that can't miss coasters. And we got to figure out <laughs> what we can make happen when we go to, to China. 
because we got to figure out where to start, right. how to end, you know, everything. And so we can kind of make the plan because that's a huge part of making these coasting trips happen is kind of the logistics and coordination and all the other moving parts. And right. you know what coaster he said was his number one must-ride coaster in all of China. No, what's that? Wood coaster. Wooden coaster. It's no, a, okay. It's a famous, famous uh, coaster, GCI coaster outside of Shenzhen. It's like East Shenzhen. Oh. And so for some people, they think it is, this is pretty, some other coasters that come out recently, could be, and still could be, the number one world, the world best wooden coaster. Wow. Out in the middle of nowhere outside of Shenzhen. And for people that don't know, uh, where Shenzhen is, it's right across from Hong Kong. So right. all the stuff going South on in, China. in mainland China, there the big new city there is you know is is Shenzhen. That's where they make all the Apple computers. You know, and it's, they have one of the tallest buildings in the world there. You know, it's one of those major cities that no one's ever heard of. You know, and so right. so anyway. That was the big thing that we were going to have to maybe do. So we planned to go to Hong Kong first. We did the, you know, the, the ocean park and we did Disney and, and we were trying to prepare to go there, which was a major logistical nightmare getting from Hong Kong into Shenzhen and from Shenzhen to East Shenzhen, like, you know, an hour outside of the city, like in no man's land, it felt like. And so we actually had to right. get car service and like a translator just to make sure we were safe and would get back because it's not like a major metropolitan area. Right. You know? And, you know, think in terms of like going to um, Holiday World or something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not in the middle of nowhere. Right. So middle nowhere, really yeah. expensive. It was the most expensive thing we ever did on this trip is getting to Wood Coaster. We already wow. did some research figuring out when the maintenance was and how all this stuff kind of indirectly through people and a major huge thing. We get all the way there, buy our tickets. And when we're there, they're saying, so we're here to ride Wood Coaster. And our translator was talking. They're like, Wood Coaster is not running. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, is it going to run tomorrow or whatever? It's this is not when it's supposed to be maintained. Even in the month, this is not the time it'd be maintained. No, we right. have no clue. We, it's not running. And it's like, well, what, could we call you? And is it going to be tomorrow? It's like we never know until we get here, and they'll tell us it's running. So you'd actually have to come <laughs> back, and then you could get all the way here, and it's still not running. Chase was so disappointed. But what's cool is we went all the way up there. We looked around, amazing, up on a hill, totally overgrown, this wooden kind of masterpiece. The layout looks amazing. And if you look at POV, nice. it looks amazing. And I'm totally jealous, and I hate people that have ridden that we haven't ridden it. Um, it's definitely oh. going to be the Great White Whale. But we got to right. actually, no one was up there. It was like abandoned. No one was there. There was no gates, no fences, no nothing, no locks. We actually went oh, up, wow. walked on the track. Oh, seriously? Yes, we went and and we're like, is anyone here? And, and this was a beginning of our trips. Like, we could go to jail and ruin the rest of our trip. But I was wondering, I was yeah, so disappointed. <laughs> we did it. We have pictures of him and video him walking on. We didn't walk like outside the area there at all. You know, where people would see right. us we were there. If they would have had cameras, who knows what would have happened? But he got at least walk on the track. We went through everywhere there. We saw the cars, you know, parked. You know, and uh, but major wow. huge. Huge disappointment. We ended up going to Happy Valley Shenzhen, which, by the way, they have a really cool launch co air compressed launch coaster, which there's not a lot of in the world. An SNS, right? Designed by Alan Schilke, 
I think that one's called Bullet Coaster. Really hmm. gets up to 80 miles. The, the launch is like 80 miles now, which is awesome. Right. And um, really also cool park. It's kind of their version of Six Flags is their Happy Valleys, as you know. But yeah, so that was the disappointing one. But Wow, that's unfortunate. Yeah. But the, the most amazing one, I have still have to say, other than there was another SNS, you know, the, the Extreme Rusher, and there was the Megalite and the right. Fireball was... Tron. Tron. Oh, yes. On Tron. I still dream of you, Tron. <laughs> that is the future. You know, that's Tomorrowland that it should be today. Not, you know, the old outdated horse and buggy Tomorrowlands, you know, in Disneyland. And I think you, you, if you want, you can pick up that story or I can pick up that story. You told it. I can tell. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's let the uh, uh, cat out of the bag, the thousand pound gorilla. So, Listeners of this podcast, you probably have heard me talk about at least a couple of times on Coaster Challenge podcast, previous episodes about kind of a life lesson talking with people about not trying not to be shy and, and, you know, being open to what the universe sends to you when you're say on a theme park line and waiting to get on a ride and just, you know, make friends with people. And in fact, the two people that I'm talking to today on this podcast of course, my good friend, David, that runs Coaster Challenge, that created Coaster Challenge, and Chuck, I met because of that advice, following that advice right there. David and I met at an ACE event at the opening of Electric Eel in SeaWorld San Diego back in 2018. And we were just in line together doing laps on Electric Eel, uh, a Skyrocket uh, 3 coaster, Skyrocket 2, excuse me. And we just started talking and great friendship came from that, which we were both very thankful for uh, three years ago. Meanwhile, I'm in China, halfway across the world, and I decide to go on my last full day of my trip back to Shanghai Disney. Why? Well, because of what Chuck's just saying there. I love Tron so much, I had to ride it some more. Even though I knew, this is uh, two years ago, that Tron is coming here to Magic Kingdom, and I'd be able to ride it again in a few years once it opened here in Florida. But no, I need to get back on that ride as soon as I could because of how amazing it is. So I go back to Magic Kingdom, or excuse me, go back to Shanghai Disneyland, my last day of my two-week China trip. And I'm there doing my laps on Tron because the park was dead. It was in March. It was awesome. Weather was still good, but there was no one there. Five, 10-minute wait. And I'm inside the building in the queue, and I've got my Coaster Challenge shirt on. Again, you guys have heard the story before. Well, the person that I met and his son is none other than Chuck, who we're talking to right now, and his son, Chase, that we've been talking about today. And a great friendship was born. And so the two things I love about this is Tron is an amazing coaster. And I you know, got a great two friendships out of it. And so Chuck, Chase, and I, we lapped uh, Tron several times, had a blast, and we're talking. And Chuck is telling me a lot of the stories you're hearing today on the podcast. I remember you were telling me all about the Shenzhen and this is before going there. So you guys were talking about how exciting it was to go get this crazy coaster credit. Of course, it didn't work out, but that'll be next time. And then we had a great time riding on Pirates and just enjoying the park for about half the day. So we met about midway through the day. And that's that will make Tron so special for me just meeting you guys. But uh, but Chuck, yeah, what, what, what else can you share there? Yeah, so it was a, a mad dash to get to Shanghai Disney. One of the things that we always try to do is, is wear some, you know, Again, when you're in China, it's easy to stand out. We went to many parks where we're the only Caucasian person in the whole entire park, period. The not most, the only non-Asian person. Right. Now, we always try to wear something maybe that would identify us as coaster enthusiasts. But if we're usually at a park, people's like, could assume 
Not that we're just expats, but maybe that we like coasters. And so I'm always the same way. You know, Chase can get a little shy as well. And so, you know, I always, when I see someone, I, I want to also try to figure out a way to say, hey, is this person up for a conversation? I'll make it more interesting in the line, by the way, if you're waiting a long line. But more importantly, right. you know, maybe you never know who you meet. And so yep. in my mind, there's no real downside, right? Agreed. I think there's just upside. And so we were so concerned that we would even get a ride on Tron because we had no idea what it was going to be like when we got there. We even bought those extra kind of not frontline passes, but fast passes that you spend an extra 15 bucks or something for just to kind of guarantee. And I got two of those because we were just so concerned the line's going to be so long and we wouldn't even get a ride at once. I was like, I right. can't have another wood coaster scenario where you don't even get to ride Tron. <laughs> and that was one of the ones I was looking the most for too, out of all the coasters in the collection. I thought this was the most unique one because I love Tron. I love that kind of science fiction kind of you're in the computer, da 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 world. And oh, like yeah. simulations, like the old school Matrix. That was like the first Matrix movie. Yes, um, that's true. And so we're mad dash there. We get in line and after seeing like no other people that other than, you know, these amazing Chinese people that love Disney as well. I see as like, you know, this could be the only person we see like this in the whole thing. I got to figure out a way to like approach this guy. <laughs> and I couldn't really see the front of your shirt, but I saw your hat and it had a BMW logo on it. Yes. I yes. was like, BMW? Any excuse right? to say anything. But I'm like, <laughs> oh, what about this weather? They're like, yes. And it's like, okay, great. You speak English because you could have been speaking some European language or something or right, uh, like German Russian or, or yeah. who knows right. who you could have been. They're like, yeah. It's like, American? Yeah. I'm like, coaster enthusiast? And that's when you was <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, wait. And immediately we made the connection with Dave, right? I was like, no right. way. California, you had met him, China. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like, I'm filming yep. stuff, really? And so we just immediately hit it off. And I'm like, oh, great, this line. And when you come into kind of Tomorrowland version of Shanghai anyway, you're just like floored. Like, this is something I've never experienced ever in my life. It's so cool looking. And then when you go in the structure, the structure is so cool looking. I just couldn't believe it. Just the translucent material that they have on the outside structure of that. Oh, the canopy is amazing. Oh, yep. that, that is just, yep. and the way it goes in and out. And then we rode the ride and I was like, I'm in heaven. Somehow I got to ride this thing again. And then we were, and then one of my good friends who, you know, works, has worked in the industry, told me about pirates. I was like, we got to experience pirates, yep. the best yep. flat ride in the world. And you're like, I'll take you there. I know the shortcut. Can I hang out with you guys? <laughs> like, you have to hang out with us. And from that point on, <laughs> we had the most amazing night ever that I wish would never have ended. We closed yes. the place down, if you recall. We got so yep. many rides on trying to believe it. You know, I still dream of that experience. I still like, I have dreams where I'm on that vehicle because it gives you so much give there. Where yes. You can kind of go up and lean into the drops. Like, you know, you're you're just like flying a, a special machine. Yep. And especially when you're in the front row, it's just like no one's in front of you. It's like you are in a different role. And in a lot of ways, it's Tron, it's, uh, it's Terran Disney style. It's like Terran is one of the most amazing theme rides. I love to death. It's one of my favorite right. coasters and coaster experiences ever. A lot of people have it their top five. I definitely have it as, as one of those top 10 coasters for me, no matter what. If I'm just talking to enthusiasts that are a little more, I like, it's definitely, you know, one of my top coasters ever. Same, I say the same, same thing with Tron and Ruchiban, and even though they're not crazy extreme coasters, 
but experience-wise, uniqueness-wise, that overall escapism that you want, not just the pure mechanics and, you know, all the technical data of the coaster and all that crazy, you know, intensity and thrill and all that, but just the escapism and just the, you know, what I really covet in a, in a coaster, you know, Tron had that on steroids plus more. And then having you there with us and with my son, it just was such a great thing. And so it's unforgettable, unforgettable, memorable, and uh, something that's irreplaceable as as a, a moment in time in my 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 coaster passport. Yep, same here. And I've told the story on this podcast a couple times. I told it to so many friends over the years. It's one of those things I'll never forget, and it's something I'll cherish. And as I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, Chuck. When I wound up, you know, meeting up with you, and we started talking and just meeting each other for the first time in the middle of the relatively short line for Tron, that was your first time riding it, wasn't it? Exactly. So I feel very honored. Now, you know, I didn't know it when I first met you that you're, you know, an incredibly intense coaster enthusiast and and chase as well, you know, with all the international travels you've done. And I don't meet a lot of people like that, that like me have been all over the world riding coasters that we can relate to each other. And we've got the, you know, the car kind of sports car thing going too as well, but a um, little bit, but uh, I feel so honored that I got to ride Tron with you guys for your first time. And then, you know, like you were saying, I had already been to Shanghai Disney for a full day. I knew my way around that park. I can picture it in my head perfectly right now. I knew exactly how to get us over to Pirates. And I remember, I think we also wound up run, riding um, Seven Dwarves as well. Yes, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah which is special for me because I can never got it, get on it here in Florida, but there it was like a 20, 30 minute wait. But yeah, it was just such a special, special day. And I'm going to guess that. So I, I'm going to say, I'm going to guess here that Tron is on your top 10, right? Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely there. So uh, Tron is in my top 10 and was it's number seven right now. I actually, I finally got to the point a few years ago, or actually, I'm not like just going to use guess in my head. I actually wrote down a top 10 and I updated over time for fun when I ride new coasters. I may up, be updating it pretty soon here, thanks to VelociCoaster. Um, but uh, Tron is the only Disney coaster in my top 10. Tron is the best Disney coaster in the world. Would you say that as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's just, it's. And I, sometimes by just calling it a roller coaster, it just understates it. <laughs> yes, it's an experience. And if, if you, you were know? to take that same ride, that if you were to take the you know that Vacoma coaster, that motorbike coaster, and Six Flags it, put it outside, no theming, it would be meh. But with the Tron theming, the canopy, the music, the, the story, the, the, the story is the really whole cool. story. The, yeah, well, everything. What's amazing, that was all in Chinese. And yep. but the queue, I'm not sure. Is, is that the best queue experience ever? I'm seeing there's oh, there's so Potter cool. stuff, but right. I'm seeing it just feels like you're really in the future. It's just it's so crazy and sick. Yeah. And I love that beginning of the queue and the kind of that first section as you go inside where it has the little show and then the the screen kind of goes away and then you see the launch happen in yeah, front of it's you. So oh yeah. I yeah. took video of that and I'm like, I sometimes yep, oh, I got to see that some more. And I I'm remember not content, I'm not a content creator. So I've got all this great stuff. I just never post it, but right. you know, it's just, I, I, I love that. But yeah, so that is something that we can share forever. And yes. uh, you know, it's, it's such a, and I think that's such a, a unique experience even still a lot of, you know, big uh, YouTubers and coaster enthusiasts haven't had the chance to really experience that. That's all going to change here. Yeah, Yeah. that's all going to change here in a year or two with Tron opening here at Magic Kingdom. It felt so so foreign because 
in a weird way, yeah. and it felt so futurist, not just because of just Disney, but you could imagine based on really crazy futures kind of science fiction that a lot of the highest, highest tech stuff is going to be kind of in an Asian format and maybe in right, a right. And so it's yep. almost like you just imagine that, you know, it's like, oh, I've been teleported, really teleported to the future. Yeah, no, very true. Very true. All, especially all that theming and uh, just even the lights on the light cycles on, on the yeah. trains themselves, especially at night, even at daytime. That launch, it's just one launch. It's not the fastest launch in the world. It only goes up to, I think, like 60, 65, but it's, it's super, it's a really powerful launch because it's a long launch and it just, it punches you out of that tunnel out into, under the canopy well, you're there. You're exposed, you're exposed, you're open. You're not like in a, yep. a seat yep. with a real strength. You don't feel like any pressure on you, you know, like you do in some like Twisted Colossus or something where there's all this pressure on you all the time. Or the clamshell is great because you can kind of, you, you have more openness to it, but you still have everything around you where this, you just literally feel like you're flying through the space. Yes. And you have, you been on Hagrid's yet? Yes. Chuck. So did you get, I mean, a little bit less intense, of course, naturally, but Hagrid's, I think, because I've been on that many times now, is kind of similar because it's, you're kind of up high, at least in the motorbike position, the right exactly. position. Kind of, it yeah. Kind of has yeah. That feel to it. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and that's probably kind of the closest you can feel to that. But I think, you know, it sets a different um, thematic mindset when you're there right. with the little caboose next to you or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. The little sidecar. Yeah. You know, Tron, of course, is different because, yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Chase, yeah. you can also in the sidecar. You know, so I've never got to actually ride on the bike. Um, I've ridden I've ridden both. Um, I le- definitely like the motorbike position. I like being up yeah. high, but they're both great. They both feel great. They're great. It's a great coaster. Yeah. But, but anyway. another intimate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, I think maybe this is the best way to wrap up the Tron discussion. You know, obviously people, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's cheaper to go to China, but in terms of, you know, having a passport and people kind of feeling safer, just traveling right. domestically, especially with the pandemic kind of, and all that, you know, obviously a lot of more Americans and a lot of our audience, of course, is here in the U S they're more likely to go to Disney world than to China. Um, you know, our many listeners and fans of coaster challenge, you know, especially those like me that are fortunate enough to live here in Florida, you don't know how lucky you are. Again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. You don't know how lucky you are to be getting this amazing coaster right here in Florida. You are going to have your socks knocked off. No, it's not going to be intense and, and unique and crazy like Velocicoaster. It doesn't have multiple launches like Hagrid's, but Tron is a unique beast unto itself that's just amazing because it's got s- such immersion and all these things combined together, and it's just so fun. So... And I, yeah, I'm glad we shared that. So, so Chuck, you know, I've traveled all over the world. I've been on three continents and, uh, and ridden coasters on those continents. You're one of the few people that even amazes me compared to the travel I've done in terms of the places you've been. You've been to a lot of places I haven't. So can you maybe tell us, our listeners a little bit about how you've been able to travel all these crazy places? What's your secret? Well, it's all about what you prioritize. It's everyone can do these things if they make it a, a priority. Uh, like I said, it was cheaper for us to go to China than to go to Florida at that point in time. And so we we value unique experiences over like things and, right. you know, having spending, you know, hundred bucks on takeout five times a week, um, <laughs> you know, 
Um, not that we haven't had things, but you know, it's very easy to get bogged down and with your money and your time and stuff that isn't memorable. It's just right. And it's not adding anything of value. And, and I'm saying you could do this in your own neighborhood, in your own state. You can you value unique experiences over stuff. I know kids will spend 500 bucks on a pair of tennis shoes. <laughs> That's crazy. Their, their yep. wardrobe, you know, with all their hype stuff can be like 2,500 bucks or more. Can you imagine what kind of trip you could have with three, a $3,000 budget? Another, another quick thing is you have to make sure you have friends that uh, like coasters because they can help share the expense. Yes. Um, yes. You know, and so that's also very helpful. Um, and I think you mentioned this before, if you're a young kid and you like, you want to have a future like this, you know, try to try to find um, jobs that allow you to travel. Yes. Uh, you know, if you have that flexibility in mind, it's like, oh, I want to see the world. Even if you join the military, you get really inexpensive travel if you're in the military yep. and you get like a month off, right? Yep. And that's plenty yep. of time to go see the world. You know, yep. you may not be able to go to every destination because you're in the military, but you can go to a lot of places and make it happen. And anyone practically can get in the military. And so um, anything beyond that are just excuses and a lack of prioritization and focus. Uh, but I've been around the block a while and, you know, you, you want to, I think life is about creating, you know, unique memories. Absolutely. So a couple you of things know, I want to so, like, a couple of things I'd like to unpack there. Some good state, good, uh, good things you've shared there. So first of all, in terms of the travel side of things, you know, like you said, the military, and you know, I talked a little bit about this before, but you know, jobs where you have to go visit customers or, um, you know, I've worked in sales. I currently work in sales and visiting customers. I've worked in field service where I have to go visit customers to work on equipment, things where you have to travel for work that takes you places domestically, internationally, you know, it allows you to go places and, and ride coasters on the weekend or stay a few extra days, take some PTO. Also traveling a lot, being a road warrior, as I have been, and I know you and your wife are, Chuck, um, you build up miles and points that even if it's not on that work trip, you've got the points and miles to go take free trips, just riding coasters or doing vacations and seeing the sights and all that, seeing the culture. It's not just about the coasters and the parks. It's about experiencing the world. So so that that's really important. I think the ultimate example I've heard of in terms of coaster enthusiasts that really go for the whole like traveling for work thing and really have it set up is there's a there's a two guys uh, there I think they're now married um, that uh, I think the ones I think one's name is Sean the other is Alex if I remember correctly they are better known as the coaster kings they live here in Florida I don't I don't really talk to them I don't really know them all I just know of them um, one of them is a flight attendant and the other is, works in hotels for a major chain and so one gets the free flights for both of them. The other gets the free hotels for both of them all over the world. Yeah. And, and so. <laughs> well, and one thing I would, I would suggest, which isn't always, you know, intuitive and in what parents would probably always want, but you should try so hard if you're going to go to college to go as far away as possible. Yeah. So you can kind of naturally well, be away what's, from. What's yeah, cool right. is what, what, I've been very lucky because I've just been able to live in a lot of different places in the world, not just travel there, but I, you know, I spent six years in, in Germany working and, and, you know, even though I was from Colorado, I've lived, you know, on the East Coast and in Texas and California. And so I say, always go for it. You can get internships, you can get have studies, you could even be yes. a teacher and, and go teach in Australia or in England or wherever. It's just don't limit yourself. Again, going back to fear, a lot of people get comfortable in the monotony 
in the safe zone of where they grew up and their friends and they create a thousand excuses why they can't leave. I think you find happiness again when you, you, you push yourself in that uncomfort zone and you just go for it. And trust me, you yes. will figure it out. Just like, you know, overcoming uh, a fear on coasters overcoming the fear of not having your safety blanket of your family and everyone else and friends, just go for it. Your life will be so much fuller if you go for it. And then really the sky's the limit, you know? And so, you know, and, and again, you do not have to be rich to travel. It makes it easier. You don't have to have some big figure job to, it makes it easier if you want to focus in on it. I know so many people that figure out a way, you know, where yes. they're taking $20 flights and going on weekends and just figuring out a way to make it work. You know, it's just time, energy, and effort. And, and you can, you know, achieve your dreams that way. Absolutely. And, and you know, another idea too, I didn't do this myself, but again, for our younger listeners, even before you're even choosing your career, when you're in college, assuming you go to college, do a semester abroad, do a, a couple of them if you can, you know, Europe, Asia. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe try to angle it based on the parks you really want to go to the most, your, your bucket list parks. And maybe you can get to your bucket list parks when you're not even 20 for all you know, and you're making a, a, a getting a kickstart on things. So. Well, and, and, and another thing that I say that people don't just, they, they don't agree with because it's not intuitive, right? And it's not like you have to follow this, but a lot of people say you should find a job that you're passionate about, right? Right. And, you know, when I was a kid, even in college, like, well, I'm really passionate about being a Jedi, you know, or you know, something like that. <laughs> but the thing is, the way I see is your job is a way to fund your, your, these unique experiences. And so I always tell people when they ask, I don't go out and, you know, preach this, but I say, find something that you're good at, right? Make the best of it. And then make sure that funds your memorable experiences. Absolutely. And go for them as quickly as possible. I said, this isn't also intuitive and people don't usually say this, but I say rack up these experiences as early as often as you can, you know, so it may impact your future retirement, but you never know if you'll get to retirement. (laughs) Right. Live life while you you can live. And so it's more, you know, quality in the short time than something down the road when you may not be able to appreciate it and have it impact your future. Sure, so for sure. parents, for their kids, get them out of their rooms, get them in a car, get them on a plane, get them out there, you know, riding coasters. And if you can squeeze in some cultural things, even that much better. Absolutely. Agreed. You got to have a balance of things. And yeah, I love, I love experiencing all the culture, the food, the museums, the architecture, the the sightseeing, Great Wall of China, for example, I know you did and I did when we were in China that that same time period. So the other thing I wanted to just briefly touch upon that you mentioned here just a moment ago, you know, again, for listeners young and old, uh, and I feel like, you know, this this podcast, this episode has been a little bit more heavy on the advice side, which I think is good because you and I both have a lot of kind of similar, but, you know, world experience, which a lot of people don't get in life, unfortunately. Like like yourself, you know, I certainly, there are things, I have my things in my life. I love my cars, love my sports cars, my Tesla I just got. But, you know, I'm not creating, not fancy with my clothes. I'm not, you know, fancy with furniture necessarily. There's a lot of things I save money on. And, you know, I have some things, but, you know, I really try to have money for vacations and so forth. And like you, Chuck, you know, you and I are very philosophical in similar ways. Um, I have this expression, I call them LDEs life-defining experiences. Those life-defining experiences, you know, a car, you know, it break down, it'd be an accident, get totaled, you know, a phone can drop and fall in a lake and you never have it again. Things, you can lose things. Experiences, other than going through really bad, you know, brain, brain type illnesses or Alzheimer's at the end of your life, horrible things. Other than those types of things or a bad accident, 
you're going to have your memories. You know, the vast majority of us have our memories for our most of our entire, basically our entire lives until the very end. And those memories, you know, they are priceless. You don't necessarily pay anything for them directly, but you know, you're going to have them for your whole life. And they're going to be the stories that you tell. They're going to be the things that you can have comfort in when you're not having a good day in that moment, in that day. You can remember the fond times you had before and you the, the thought that you can have those types of memories and experiences again. And I have many life-defining experiences that I cherish. A lot of them are related to travel. A lot of them are related to animals because I love animals. SeaWorld trainer for a day that I've done twice. You know, meeting you and Chase, Chuck, you know, just the small world thing. We, you know, you were already a fan of Coaster Challenge and met David. You meet me, see the BMW flip around, you didn't see my coaster challenge on the front of my shirt, and then instant connection. Those, you know, you don't get those kinds of stories every day. And those are things that stick out for your entire life. So again, I love the advice there, Chuck, of, you know, maybe you have some things, but really put effort in your life even early on into having those awesome experiences. And that right there is very much, you know, very much a parallel and a great um, kind of similar experience or similar vein to what the Coaster Challenge mission is all about. Coaster Challenge, we're talking about conquering fear. We're not focused on fear. We're talking about conquering fear and being able to manage fear so you can have a great life, so you can have great experiences. So really, Coaster Challenge is about experiencing life in wonderful ways. And again, talking about theme parks and coasters being a part of those wonderful experiences. So um, so real quick, the last thing I'm going to say to kind of end in this on that note is if you took down a a piece of paper and you said, I'm going to write down all the things that I can do and see and experience if I never had fear, if fear wasn't an issue and you write all those things down where you would be able to take risk and really experience life to its fullest. And you write that stuff down and then you put it on the wall, especially as a young kid, you can even be an adult and saying, this is my mission statement. Absolutely. I was just going to say, as you're, uh, before you said about being able to take risks, I was thinking, yes, this allows you to take risks. If you, if you don't let fear consume you, you're not going to be afraid to try things that you otherwise would be afraid of. To, to go for dreams and goals that, you know, may seem a little crazy or risky, you know, it's about taking risks and about enjoying life and making, you know, the most out of life. And, and Chuck, I, I really, you know, want to thank you, um, you know, again, for not just for your, your friendship, of course, but also specifically for the, for your time today and for uh, talking with myself and also with David a bit here on this, in this interview and, and really being a, a really great example of what it's like to face your fears, learn how to manage other fears from the fears that you've already experienced, be able to manage other fears that moving forward and take life by the reins and make the most of it. And I think it's just awesome what you've been able to do and all the experiences you've had. And thank you for sharing that with us today. Well, I love your guys mission. And I love what you guys are trying to do. And I know you've already impacted a lot of people and, and whatever I can do to help the cause, I, I definitely am motivated to do that. So thank you for having me and I appreciate it. Thank, thank you very you. much, Chuck. And thank you, Chuck. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to have you on. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Chuck, for that uh, great interview. It was really amazing. A lot of knowledge there, I will tell you. Um, it's given me some good ideas. It makes me want to go start traveling internationally now. Yeah, I mean, I, I did a little traveling internationally when I was a child. We would go see family in the Philippines and Australia. Did the Philippines have any theme parks, JD? I don't think they did. I don't. Maybe small have, amusement parks, right? Yeah, maybe some small ones. But yeah, because I don't know any big parks in the Philippines. But uh, Australia, I think they do. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, and that's what Chuck mentioned. Like the the coasters he's been on at uh, Australia were really they sound really fantastic, and I've been wanting to get down to Australia. It, it's a it's a nice it's nice from what I what I was told when I was a kid. But I will say that his lessons about fear that's something that that is really awesome what Chuck said in this in this interview and uh, I will say that every guest we've had on so far has had a very different perspective when it, uh, discussing how they handle fear he had to face his fears when his son was starting to get on all these extreme coasters and X2 like he heard him say was probably his most scariest coaster he's ever ridden I mean for someone that really doesn't ride roller coasters at the time or extreme ones that going on x2 would be it is it's a a tough one almost every guest on here is x2 is always mentioned about you know what scares them the most and uh yeah but it's definitely one x2 is one heck of a coaster to experience and we're very lucky to have that very rare coaster here in the west coast well i want to take the opportunity to thank all you guys for your support and uh listening in you know if you got to send some feedback we you know, you can always send us an email over at CoasterChallengeUSA at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, under Coaster Challenge Podcasts. Uh, we'd love to hear your input. And make sure to share our episodes with your friends, family, colleagues. And uh, make sure to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast network so you can get the latest episodes that come out every Friday. But until then... Oh, there's this- one other little thing. If you have any video... Um- that you that you've seen that are that you want us to check it out send oh, yeah. it to us send them to us we would love to talk about it so if you see a really really interesting coaster story or just something about fear in general oh yeah definitely send them out folks we would love to check them out and and talk about them so yeah you can just send those off to our email so that would be a great thing jd so well thank you guys so much and uh don't forget to tune in next friday we have another exciting episode coming up but until then this is david Cantu. This is J.D. Prescott. And we'll see you next week on Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge?